Welcome to another episode of Midweek Meditation on the FPO Podcast, a weekly devotional podcast from First Presbyterian Church of Obelika. Each week, we take a look at one of the passages from the FPO Bible Reading Plan and have a devotional conversation about what God is teaching us in it and how to apply it in our lives. For more information on how to join us as we engage the Bible together, please visit firstpresopelika.org. Hey there, First Perez. Welcome again to another episode of our midweek meditation. Today, James and I are going to be diving into the book of Revelation. Uh, if you've been following along with us in the FPO Bible reading plan, you know that this past week we read through the first three chapters of Revelation. And so today we want to do something a little bit different. We don't want to talk about just one specific passage. We want to zoom out and talk a little bit about how uh, to best read the book of Revelation, how to approach it uh, so that it doesn't end up being as confusing as people tell us it should be, uh, and it shouldn't actually, or, or we just don't get lost in some of the imagery that's there. So we're going to talk uh, big picture today. And so James, as we dive in, uh, one of the observations that we've made uh, is that we've we've got to recognize that the book of Revelation, whatever it is, is meant to be encouraging and practical for the church that receives this letter. Mm -hmm. And so in modern discussions of the book of Revelation, not all, but many modern discussions, the book of Revelation becomes a a prophecy for the future only. Mm -hmm. A code to crack. Yeah, a a code to crack. That's a good way to say it. Um, so that we can discern where are we in the history of the world? Are we in Revelation chapter 5? Are we in Revelation 17 now? And uh, it's really a chronological timeline of events. And it's important to remember that the original recipients of the letter that John wrote are the seven churches in Asia Minor, and therefore the church in that place and us as the church today. It's got to encourage us right where we are. Which is why the first three chapters, which often get overlooked, are Jesus speaking directly to the church, encouraging them in their faithfulness, rebuking them for the areas where they're being unfaithful, and calling them to be uh, faithful and to endure to the end. So just want to remind all of us, as we read through the book of Revelation, we need to put our charts and our graphs away (laughs) and ask the question, how is this meant to encourage the church and therefore me and us right here and right now to remain faithful to the Lord James, what's one of the other observations that you've noticed just as you've you've learned to read through the book of Revelation? I think one of the best helps that I've received learning about the book of Revelation, learning about how to read it, it's kind of wrapped up in a, a kind of big word, but it's, it's simple to understand once you hear it. It's this word called recapitulation, or you could just say repetition. Okay. When you're reading through the book of Revelation, I used to wonder why I would get to, say, the end of chapter 7. And I'd be like, okay, it looks like the world just ended. Yeah, there's an earthquake and Jesus appears to have come back. Yeah, stars are falling from heaven. (laughs) This is how there's nothing more. And then I keep reading and more stuff happens. Like, okay, I guess there's no stars in the sky. And then by the end of chapter 12, the stars are falling out of the sky again. There's another earthquake. It seems like the world is ending a second time and a third time. And I'm like... What is happening right now? And so instead of 
complicating how we're reading it. It's helpful, I've learned, to just read the book of Revelation, and most Reformed scholars do it this way, to just say, actually, the book of Revelation actually is repeating itself a handful of times, seven times or so. And so you're getting a snapshot of the time Christ ascends into heaven and returns, bringing the new heavens and the new earth, mm-hmm. from seven or so different angles. Right. If you are watching a football game or any sports game, there's going to be instant replays on the TV. You're going to see the same person catch a touchdown and land in the end zone from seven different camera angles. Right. And if your three-year-old walks in who's never watched a football game before, he or she is going to be like, oh, wow, he caught seven touchdowns yeah, because right. it's from seven different angles. And we, without having a lot of context for the book of Revelation, see the same thing happening seven times, and we're like, oh, it must be seven different things. Right. Rather than the same thing from seven different camera angles. Right, right. That's good. So the idea of recapitulation is that what the book of Revelation is doing on top of what we said a moment ago, uh, encouraging the church right where they are, is it's giving us a picture of what the church down through the ages has and can expect to experience Mm -hmm. between the time when Jesus ascended into heaven and when he returns. Mm -hmm. And to your point, we're getting multiple perspectives on that. I think another important observation is just the genre of the book of Revelation. Mm. We can't approach the book of Revelation like we approach the Gospel of Matthew as historical narrative. Uh, The book of Revelation itself tells us how to read it. It tells us that this is a revelation, that this is an apocalypse. And so it's got got a lot of apocalyptic imagery in it, Mm -hmm. which is not pointing necessarily to literal things and events as much as it is uh, giving imagery uh, to show the kinds of things that the church can face. And so I know we were talking uh, beforehand. Uh, let's just let's talk about a few of these images that yeah. we see and talk about how um, because we recognize that it's apocalyptic imagery, we shouldn't necessarily be looking for this specific thing or event. We need to get underneath it to see what it's communicating about the church's experience in the world until Jesus, Returns, And so I know that in a lot of discussions about the book of Revelation, uh, there's a lot of talk about the Antichrist, this figure that shows up on the scene Mm -hmm. later in the book of Revelation. And so much talk is about who's this Antichrist going to be, yada, yada, yada. Based on everything that we've said, uh, what's a better way to approach uh, this picture of this Antichrist figure that John spells out for us? Well... Of course, whenever we're reading a hard passage in the Bible and we don't know what it means, the first thing that we should do is go to a clearer and easier place to understand in the Bible and then bring that to the hard part. Right. So when we're getting this discussion of this antichrist figure who is leading the masses and robed in Christian and religious authority, right. it's actually helpful to remember this isn't the only place the Bible talks about the antichrist. And it's not the only place John right. talks about the antichrist. The same author of Revelation is John, who wrote the Gospel of John, 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John. And in 1st John, he says that many antichrists will arise and are already among you. Mm. That there are already false teachers, people who are just anti-against Christ, who are in the church and are leading people astray. 
Mm. And that was happening when John was writing Revelation, and that's been happening since. That's happening today. Sometimes it will be some large public figure with lots of followers. Sometimes it will be somebody out in a rural area who's Mm. got 40 people behind him. But these are people that are rising up and leading people away from Christ and are therefore against Christ. Mm. And so the image of the Antichrist in Revelation is triggering our mind and giving this image and showing us what to expect when we see these people throughout the time of Christ's ascension and his return. And we need to be on guard. We need to be aware. And in throughout history, throughout commentators in the book of Revelation, lots of people have pointed at lots of different people as the Antichrist. And maybe all of them are correct. Sure. What we know is that we should expect people to claim that they are Christians, claim that they are preachers who are of the truth, and yet what they are saying as we read the Bible is not what we're seeing there. That we should hold up the Bible over and against anything that any preacher says and hold Scripture as our authority. Mm, What's another image that you think we can help Yeah, Yeah, I think that's really helpful. Uh, What it does on one level is it makes a lot of the imagery in the book of Revelation not necessarily as mysterious and scary and confusing as a lot of people tell us it should be. Uh It gives us images, so we've got to think, we've got to pray for the power of the Spirit to help us understand what these things mean, Uh, but we ought to expect to see all of these things in our lives. And so Mm -hmm. to answer your question directly, you know, I, I think often about... Uh, Revelation chapter 12, where if you've read it, uh, and we'll read it here in the next week or so, you get this picture of this giant dragon chasing this pregnant woman seeking to eat her. Mm -hmm. And you're like, wow, okay, uh, where is this going to happen? You know, like what kind of sci-fi world is the book of Revelation saying is coming upon us? Yeah, I guess Godzilla the movie is (laughs) going to actually happen. that's exactly right. But when you get underneath the image, recognizing that we actually shouldn't look for a dragon chasing an actual pregnant woman, mm-hmm. um, you get behind that and you recognize that the symbology, the imagery of the dragon, we're told later uh, that the dragon is Satan. He's the evil one. Mm-hmm. The He's serpent. the serpent in the garden. He's the enemy of Christ. He's the enemy of God's people. He is the one that Peter says is like a roaring lion prowling around seeking someone to devour. Mm. And we see that this woman is pregnant with a child. And John tells us in verse 5 of chapter 12, she gave birth to a male child, one who is to rule all the nations with a rod of iron. Like, okay, that sounds a lot like Jesus. (laughs) Yeah. And so this woman is not a literal one woman. It's the church, the Jewish nation, which gave birth to the Messiah. Mm-hmm. And then we're told that this child is caught up to God and to his throne. That's the ascension. And then we're told that this woman flees into the wilderness where she has to be nourished by God in order to survive and flee from the dragon. That's a picture of us, the church. The woman has remained on earth. The church has remained. And we're a wilderness people. <laughs> and our enemy uh, the evil one, the dragon, Satan himself, is after us, yeah. if he can, to destroy us and to destroy God's purposes for us. And so it helps us know that our experience in the world will be one where we're on the run and we have a very real enemy and we ignore him or act like he's not there to our own peril. 
He reminds us that in order to survive in the wilderness until Jesus returns from his throne, we need to be nourished by God. And so again, I think the point in all of this is that the imagery itself uh, doesn't have to be crazy and confusing. It points us to what our experience will be and what the experience of the church down through the ages has been. Uh, as we as we just bring things to a close here this morning, I, I know there's a lot more we can say, but what what hope does the book of Revelation give us in light of the fact that it describes for us often a a, a pretty scary future? Sure. You know, you read the book of Revelation and, and, and you don't just immediately be like, "Wow, things are going to go smoothly." Yeah, there's oppression, there's judgment, there's warring. There's distress and brokenness all around. There's terror. As we get towards the end of the book of Revelation, what hope does this uh, word to us give us in the midst of what Jesus says will be a future full of trials and tribulations? Well, first, I think we could answer that in a couple ways. The first way is that I think we can know Christ told us, told John, what we should expect. This is not something that is going to surprise the Lord. Mm-hmm. This is something that we are living through that he knows is coming and that he is in control of. Right. In the seven seals and the seven trumpets and all of these things, we're given a picture that Christ is the one opening the seals. He's in mm-hmm. charge of all of these crazy hard things that are going to happen. And Christ is the one executing all the things when the trumpets blow. So Christ is in charge. The Lord is reigning and ruling, and he Mm. is on the throne. He's not surprised. Very good. Secondly, because of the fact that we see um, this repeating nature of the book of Revelation, we're really familiar with that line of that he shall wipe every tear from our eyes. Mm Mm-hmm that there will be no more crying, no more pain. And we quickly turn to Revelation 20, 21, and we see that. It's already in chapter 7. Mm-hmm. By the time we get to chapter 7, we get to the end of one of these repeating moments. And he says that the Lamb will be the God who wipes away every tear from our eyes. Mm-hmm. And so we are repeating we see over and over again, yes, there are trials. Yes, there are tribulations, but Christ is in charge. And we are told over and over again, in the midst of all of this, we have a hope coming that the Lord Jesus himself will wipe every tear away from our eyes, mm. that he is comforting us and that he is going to bring us to himself, that the throne room of God in chapter 4 and 5 that everything opens with is what comes down to the earth in 20 and 21, and that is where we are going. Mm, mm. That's a great encouragement, especially as we live and seek to live faithfully here and now until Jesus returns, that no matter what happens to us, no matter where I and you and anybody within earshot of us finds himself today, whatever the world throws at them tomorrow, whatever Satan and the evil one tries to do, uh, the end of our story is that we will dwell with the Lamb who is conquered. Mm-hmm. The new heavens and the new earth will come, and because we long, belong to Jesus, uh, we will be a part of that forever story yeah. of those who gather around the throne and who say, Worthy are you. Uh, oh Lord. And so wherever you find yourself today, we hope that that's an encouragement to you. And we hope that these few moments together uh, will help you better approach Revelation, not only in the few weeks ahead as we continue to read it, uh, but for the rest of life. We love you guys. We look forward to being together next week.